This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to a very special episode of Go To Grandma, episode number 62, which I am calling Worldly. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth. Besides my two grandsons, whom you hear a lot about on this show, I also have four grown children, one daughter, two sons, and one non-binary kid. Until last year, the status of one of them would not have been caught by the Canadian census. In 2021, Canada became the first country to collect data on transgender and non-binary people. Why is this significant? Because this data can be used by public decision makers, employers, and providers of health care, education, justice, and other services to better meet the needs of all men and women, including transgender men and women and non-binary people. It's a bit personal for me, and I took my own self and my non-binary kid to Amsterdam recently. We met with the director of global communications of Booking.com and one of the founders of their Travel Proud program, which assists LGBTQ plus people to travel safely about the world. And we will get into the details of this important, groundbreaking program. In addition, we have the executive director of Pride at Work Canada on the show to talk about their mandate to help organizations such as RBC be more inclusive and supportive of all of their employees as part of our Take 5 with RBC series. Also, I have best-selling author and professor Tim Caulfield back on the show. We are bombarded with 24-7 news, bad news, about how horrible the world is right now. And there are some horrible things happening in the world, I don't need to remind you. But is the world scarier today than when we were growing up? Is it better for the LGBTQ plus community? I asked him these questions, and he has some great scientifically-based factual answers for us that we hopefully can share with some hope with our grandkids and kids. It's a big, beautiful show, and you won't want to miss a minute. Pour that coffee because I am going to spill some tea with you and my guest today on Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth. We'll get right into it after this. Christopher Barber is Global Communications Director of Booking.com, where he looks after the company's consumer, product, and corporate PR efforts. He's been with the company for almost nine years and brings a diverse range of experience from various industries, including nonprofit advocacy, gaming, the performing arts, and higher education. He is a passionate advocate for more sustainable and inclusive travel and has been part of the working group that developed the Travel Proud program at Booking.com. I flew to Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago and had the pleasure of meeting Christopher in person, and today he's on our show. Welcome, Christopher. Thanks, Kathy. Really appreciate you having me on the chat. So I'm very excited about this program, as you are well aware. And so for our listeners, can you please explain what the Travel Proud program at Booking.com is and how did it start? Absolutely. So the Travel Proud program at Booking.com is really organized around facilitating more welcoming and inclusive travel experiences for everyone. Our mission at Booking.com, as, as you may or some of your listeners may, may know, is to make it easier for everyone to experience the world. And that everyone is key. We want everyone, no matter where they come from, who they love, how they identify, to feel just as comfortable traveling around the world as that they do in their own home or everywhere that they go. So at the heart of this program to facilitate these more welcoming, inclusive travel experiences is a training program that we provide to our accommodation partners through a company that we work with called Hospitable Me. And it's really all about helping people upskill when it comes to being 
more welcoming, more inclusive to LGBTQ plus people, understanding the specific challenges they may have, and all in making sure that they feel welcome and comfortable at their property. So I had the chance to watch the video that you provided to me, and it was great because everyone in the video from Booking.com was also a member of the LGBTQ plus community, so they could really speak from the heart and from their experience about this program. Yeah, absolutely. And you raised a really good point, which is we have a very active and large community of LGBTQ plus employees and allies at Booking.com. It's one of our employee resource groups um, in the corporate world. We call those ERGs, um, but it's called Be Proud. Um, We have around 2,000 employees that are a part of that group in some way and actively contribute. And I think that's one of the great things about the Travel Proud program is that it really had its roots in this active community internally, that we're really looking at ways of how can we improve our product experience for all of our customers, but especially for LGBTQ plus people. So in many ways, this program had its birth with that community and our internal group of employees. I love that. So it really grew quite organically. And now, how many properties do you have that proudly carry that Travel Proud button on their property? So we now have more than 14,000 properties around the world that have been through our Proud Hospitality Training and get recognized with that Travel Proud badge on Booking.com. So as our listeners, how do we find out? So we're going on to Booking.com. We want to find out which properties have been, you know, through the training and have the toolkits in place. They can find that on the site. How might their experience be different when they attend those properties? What might they expect to see? Well, so hopefully, so I'll start out with how you find it. So if you're on booking.com and you're in our app and you're looking at a specific place to stay, there is a banner with a lovely rainbow suitcase that says it's Travel Proud Certified. So when you've gotten to the point where you've decided where you want to go and you're figuring out between different properties, when you look at that property page, you'll see as you're learning about, you know, do they have a pool? Do they have free parking? Are they pet friendly? Right near the top, you'll see a banner that has that rainbow suitcase. So you know they've been through the Travel Proud program. Now, when it comes to what you expect at that property, we also sort of assume that all of our partners, regardless of whether they've been through the training, are being welcoming and accepting. But partners who have been through the training, we're expecting that they are even more sensitive and aware and welcoming and creating that safe space for everyone. So they understand how to appropriately and politely ask about pronouns. They're not making any assumptions about people's gender, and they're being really inclusive in all of the language. And that's one of the things we really focus on in the program is helping people understand and develop the skills to use the right language for every interaction. Yes. And as you know, as the parent of a non-binary kid, the pronouns and the language is so important and right away sets the tone, I think, when they are interacting with the front desk clerk or, you know, just arriving at the property. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that actually that we, we spend a lot of time on in the training towards the beginning of it is just unpacking all of these things that people, if they don't have someone in their life with mm-hmm. LGBTQ+, which at this point... Sounds surprising, but there are people. <laughs> yeah. um, that, so they have an opportunity to ask questions. For example, what do all those letters mean exactly. in the LGBTQ plus and all the letters that are after the plus? You know, understanding the differences between sexual orientation and gender identity. A lot of times people hear these terms thrown around and even people in the community sometimes are like, I think I know what this is, <laughs> but I've always been too shy to ask or I haven't looked it up. So it's, uh, we create a really safe space for people to understand that. And then once you understand that, you start to understand the importance um, and the meaning it has for people 
to, to create a safe space to even talk about their preferred pronouns. Yes, so. as as when I went to your office, we went to get a coffee and there was a lit sign behind the front desk with all the different flags um, rotating through with all of the different meetings. I'm like, hmm, didn't know that one. And you joke that, you know, you could have just put that up there for me and my kid, but it constantly runs that type of messaging and that kind of positive reinforcement of the community that you work in as well as what you're trying to promote. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't, I could have requested a better video <laughs> to be playing when you and your kid arrived. It was super convenient. It was um, But awesome. yeah, that is something that, that came up during Pride. We sort of were running this sort of running for people who don't know what we're talking about. On the screens around our office, we have different programming playing. And um, when Kathy and her kids showed up, we happened to be showing this sort of running video of all the different Pride flags all the different parts of the community and sort of it shows a flag and then tells you oh this is the flag for um people who are pansexual mm-hmm. or people who identify as you know asexual um and some of those flags a lot of people recognize but others of them they don't know and it's, it's sort of uh it sort of helps spread awareness and understanding even amongst our internal community but it is i mean as you saw super ingrained in who we are at booking.com we're super diverse um, have people from 100 different nationalities, and we do have this very big and active group of LGBTQ plus employees and allies. And what I love, not only you're inclusive of so many groups, you have just introduced, your booking.com has just introduced grandparent leave. Sweet. So we've got a little bit of time here. Can you tell me just a little bit about what grandparent leave is at booking.com? Yeah, absolutely. So grandparent leave is actually one of a few different benefits and leaves that we have just introduced at Booking.com um, as part of our rollout of sort of global minimum benefits that we're offering to our employees all around the world. So as part of this, one of the different leaves that we, we are offering is grandparent leave um, because we recognize, and, and this is something we talked about, mm-hmm. is that oftentimes it's grandparents who are also showing up when a new baby has come into the family to help support the new parents. Um, so we are now recognizing that within our company that people can take off dedicated time for grandparent leave because it is super important. Also, it's also, I've also called out because we are talking about Travel Proud. As part of our parental leave benefits, we are now offering a minimum five and a half weeks or thereabouts, might be slightly more in all countries for both the birthing and non-birthing parents. So that applies regardless of your gender, whether or not you birthed the baby yourself or have adopted it, we recognize it's super important for everyone to be able to spend that super quality time when they've brought a new a new life, a life. into their family. I love all of this. I love Booking.com. Can I work there, please? Um, anyway, if you want more information, you can go to Booking.com. Thank you so much for your time today, Chris. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Kathy. Okay, take care. You too especially during what is already a difficult and emotional time. Most people aren't ready for what's involved, the amount of time it will take, and the added stress of completing the necessary steps. Whether you are currently in the process of settling an estate or newly appointed as an executor in a loved one's will, RBC Royal Trust can help. Available on the RBC Royal Trust website and free to use for all Canadians, Artie, the Executor Helper, is a set of free online tools that can help you understand the complexity of the estate you're settling and guide you through the tasks involved. Visit rbc.com slash royaltrust to learn more. Go to Grandma is celebrating its second season. Thanks to all the grand listeners who have joined in to make their grand journey full of facts and fun. As host Kathy Buckworth interviews guest experts, authors, and grandparents. 
go-to grandma is the only Canadian radio show and podcast dedicated to today's grandparents. Kathy covers subjects from technology to travel, food and fitness, relationships and real life, and everything in between. Tune in every Saturday morning at 7.30 on Zoomer Radio or catch it anytime on your favorite podcast provider. You can find Kathy's articles and books at kathybuckworth.com. Dreaming of a U.S. sunset? We're with you. At RBC Bank, we make it easier for Canadians to fulfill their retirement goals. Looking to buy U.S. real estate? Our cross-border mortgage experts can guide you from dreaming to doorstep. Want to truly enjoy your next U.S. getaway when the time is right to travel? With access to over 50,000 U.S. ATMs, mobile transfers between your Canadian and U.S. RBC bank accounts, and credit cards that keep more money in your pocket, you can spend more time relaxing and less time managing your U.S. cash. Making retirement plans that take you south of the border? We're with you. Visit rbc.com slash U.S. banking today to learn more. Timothy Caulfield is a Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy, a professor in the Faculty of Law and the School of Public Health and Research Director of the Health Law Institute at the University of Alberta. He contributes frequently for the popular press and is the author of two national bestsellers, The Cure for Everything, Untangling the Twisted Messages about Health, Fitness and Happiness, and The Science of Celebrity, or Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? Caulfield has a strong social media presence and is the host and co-producer of the documentary TV series, A User's Guide to Cheating Death. Good morning, Tim Caulfield. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. So, Tim, often we say things like, oh, the good old days, you know, back in the day, this is great. Is the world a better or worse place now than when we were kids? I know you touch on this in your new book, Relax. Oh, well, first of all, I think you're absolutely right. We hear this all the time. And, you know, we hear from politicians, too. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not only just something people riff on when they're talking to family and friends, but this kind of mythology of the past can have, I think, an impact on uh, political positions mm-hmm. and health policy. So I, I think, you know, this is going to be a gross oversimplification, <laughs> but the answer is it, it wasn't better in the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, what I, I suspected. <laughs> you know, we look at things through this mythology-inducing lens, and the reality is if you look at something like crime rates, which I think is you know, one of my favorite examples, because everyone thinks crime is worse now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't like... Th- Wrong! You know, <laughs> in almost every uh, OECD country, developed country, crime rates were way worse, let's say, in the early 90s, like significantly worse. And we're talking about, you know, measurable things like property crime and murder, uh, you know, drug, things in theft, things that, you know, you have a fairly good metric, a fairly Mm -hmm. good metric for. And other studies have shown, though, more recent studies have shown that people believe that the crime rates are worse now. So there's a study done in the United States where they asked that question, is there more or less crime now than two decades ago? And almost 70% of people say, oh, the crime rates are worse now, even though they're way worse in the past. Now, big caveat, the pandemic mm-hmm. and all of that has really, you know, made this more complex mm-hmm. and crime rates have been ticking up, but it's nowhere near as bad as it was in the past. And I, my impression would be that, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but would be that because we get so much 24-7 news reporting, I would just hear about it all the time. 
Oh, you're 100% correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it plays to our availability bias, you know, those headlines uh, about, about the crime rates, right? So if, you know, that cliche in your world, if it bleeds, it leads, right. uh, that matters, <laughs> right? You know, so there's two very strong cognitive biases there. One is the availability bias. So by that, I mean, if you can recall it more quickly, it's going to have a bigger impact on how you see the world, right? So right. if it's a dramatic crime that you know, someone's a, a child's abducted, for example, which is a fantastically rare event when you're talking about a, a stranger abducting a child. But it's headline news, so it feels like, oh my God, this the world's dangerous. Yeah. Secondly, is their negativity bias, right? Mm-hmm. So these stories, you know, we are hardwired to react more strongly to negative news than positive news. There's really robust evidence that shows that, and these are scary stories. So we availability bias plus negativity bias equals we remember it, and it seems like it's permeating our world. And, and if I could, Kathy, one mm-hmm. more point. Pop culture plays this too. You know, I, I love crime procedurals. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. TV. And, uh, you know, if you believe something like Criminal Minds, a TV show like that, you know, there's a predator and a serial killer on every street, <laughs> right, which just is not a realistic depiction of, of the world. But <clears throat> it has an And again, research has shown this. These shows, those shows have an, an impact on our perception of crime. Absolutely. And I think you're right, especially as parents, you know, we always, we're so overprotective now versus in the past. And people say, well, you have to be, it's worse now. It's really not. It's really not worse out there for our kids. You can let them go to the park by themselves. That's right. (laughs) And, 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 you know, in my my book, I talk about letting your kid walk to school. Mm -hmm. One of the great examples, because uh, when I was growing up, I don't know what it was like for you. Uh, you know, I sound like I'm old here. <laughs> I am old. I am. <laughs> I should sound this way, I guess. But, you know, I walked to school all of my school, yeah. you know, and uh, the crime rate and it was worse. The traffic was worse. There was more drunk drivers. Y- yes, true, All true. of those things. But my parents, you know, I, I'm talking kindergarten. Me I too. I to school. And yeah. now most parents drive their kids to school. And then, then if, there's a little bit of a, a, a paradox there because they're creating right. traffic around the school, yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, so they're creating the problem they're trying to avoid. Uh, so many ironies there. I know. I would have been thrilled to have a school bus growing up. I grew up in Winnipeg, Tim, and I walked to school. So, And now some parents are afraid to put their kids on the school bus, which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and we can look at the world more broadly, right? Mm-hmm. You know, poverty rates are... Again, I, I know it might be hard to believe, but poverty rates are, are nearing an all-time low around the world. It is more likely now than any time in human history for a kid to uh, make it to 20 years old. Now, look, mm-hmm. the pandemic has you know, messed up that data. We have to reflect on what's happened over the past couple of years. But if you kind of remove that from the equation because, you know, the pandemic had a huge impact on, for example, vaccination rates for all diseases. And that's going to, when we reflect on the data, that's going to not be good. But you take that out of the equation and kids were more likely to live to 20 than any other time in human history, right? Um, Amazing. And teen pregnancy rates also down, you know, teen drinking down, you know, go down the the Mm -hmm. list. and, And the world is vastly different than often portrayed. And of course, there's a political element here. There's Mm -hmm. some politicians that want you to think the world is worse and we have to get back to the bad old days. And one part of childhood or any part of it, someone's life that is, I have to argue, is much better now, of course, is those in the LGBTQ plus community, which it's it's a much, I hope, better world for them today. Yeah, and I often use that exact same same example uh, of you know when I, when I when I talk about the world as a better place, I think a really important caveat is 
there are so many things we need to work on. Mm-hmm. Oh, of <laughs> course, know, of course. You yeah. know, climate change um, uh, and equity and diversity, we, so much work is needed there, you know, especially globally, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, especially globally. Uh, but if you look at that community, and, and still so much more work to do, right? Yeah. What a shift from when I was in junior high and high school and even in university. What a, a, a terrific, I look at the, the world that my kids live in, uh, versus the world I lived in, and it, and I think it's an example how we can make a positive change. I agree. I agree, and we see positive change happening, and I think we reflect too much sometimes on the negative stuff. But as you say, everything has been a bit clouded by the pandemic, so we need to clear our lines of thinking and really you know, look very factually at what's happened in the past and where we're headed in the future. I would recommend anyone to pick up your book called Relax, A Guide to Everyday Health Decisions with More Facts and Less Worry. We didn't get into it today, but I love your whole thing about the sanctimonious early riser and maybe why they're not all better than us. So I need to talk to you about that at some point. And if we want to find you on social media, we can go to Caulfield Tim. Thank you so much for coming on the show again today, Tim. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Kathy. Okay, take care. Colin Druin is a business strategist with more than 15 years of experience working with two SLGBTQIA plus communities. He has served as executive director of Pride at Work Canada since 2014. And in 2021, he was elected chair of the board of directors of Volunteer Toronto. National Coming Out Day is October the 11th in Canada. And although it is just one day in the year, it's important to acknowledge that coming out can happen year-round and can be endless for some. Pride at Work Canada is on a mission to inspire and educate organizations on how to create and sustain a safe work environment for all their employees, regardless of gender expression, gender identity, and sexual orientation. In this week's Take 5 with RBC Segment Executive Director from Pride at Work Canada, Colin Druin joins me to share some insights on what coming out means to them and what programming Pride at Work Canada has to offer to organizations to help people working in Canada bring their authentic selves to work and achieve their full potential. Colin, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So for some of our listeners who may not be so familiar with National Coming Out Day, can you tell us a bit about this marquee date and why it's important for all of us to be aware and to think about year-round? Well, the day was started in the late 80s in the United States by uh, the Americans uh, Robert Eichberg and Jean O'Leary. It takes place, like you said, every October 11th, which is actually the anniversary of the 1987 National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights. Mm-hmm. So the, the date itself is significant. Mm-hmm. The general purpose of Coming Out Day is to celebrate those who feel that they have the safety and security necessary to, to disclose their sexual orientation or their gender identity to those who might not otherwise be aware. Because so many people assume that unless they're told otherwise, Everyone around them is cis and straight, which mm-hmm. we know is just not true. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's actually kind of a funny day because coming out, like you said, is something most queer people do like every week or every day. Like when you meet a new colleague or when you meet a new friend, when you get into an Uber or when I give them my business card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and so tell me then, we've got National Coming Out Day on October the 11th. What is Pride at Work Canada all about? And can you tell me a bit more about some of the programs you're offering? Yeah, well, at Pride Work Canada, we understand the barriers queer and trans people face in Canada's labor market. So uh, we do our best to educate employers and individuals on the things they can do to ensure the financial security of our communities. So for Coming Out Day, we're actually hosting an online session on creating psychological safety uh, at work uh, in the context of queer and trans inclusion. So it's going to be presented by our uh, longtime speaker and good friend, uh, Deepak Kashyap. Mm-hmm. And psychological safety, for those who don't know, um, especially in the context of work, is the 
perceived ability to take interpersonal risks. And for queer and trans people coming out to one's colleagues can actually be a huge risk. So we actually see a lot of uh, issues in Canada's labour market related uh, to being queer or trans or both. Um, we see incredible uh, wage gaps based on sexual orientation. We see incredible barriers to employment for uh, trans people in Canada. So that's really what our programs are about. Um, we help employers to create environments that celebrate the skills and experiences of all employees, regardless of their orientation or their gender. And uh, our vision is a Canada where everyone can achieve their full potential at work. So we're coming up on our 15th anniversary. Oh, great. Uh, and we're really proud of the over 250 employers in our network who share that vision, uh, especially because when we were founded, we had just 12 uh, employer partners, including RBC, uh, a longtime supporter of the work that we do. So we think that that growth is a is a reflection of the the good direction that Canada is going in. It's amazing. And yeah, RBC since 2008, right at the start, which which you had mentioned. Can you share some of the programs that you offer to those organizations? And if possible, any feedback that you've received from them as well? Well, yeah, many of our programs are geared towards employers. So we try to speak directly to um, HR professionals, diversity inclusion professionals to help them uh, you know, do their jobs to the best of their ability. Uh, because when we look at the barriers to employment for queer and trans people in Canada, it's it's usually on the employer side. We have a lot of really capable, you know, strong, intelligent folks in the community who aren't able to access uh, the job market. So um, there are some things that we need to help those employers resolve. But I really love and appreciate our leadership programs that are for queer and trans people. So we accept folks from our employer network, from outside of our employer network, we often have people from nonprofits uh, get involved with those programs. Uh, and we've got two. Uh, we've got Thrive, which focuses on supporting the competencies required to lead teams and manage people as an out professional. And then we have Flourish, which helps uh, employee resource group leaders to organize their groups around shared purpose, you know, manage the volunteers in their group well, uh, and lead their group uh, in the most inclusive way possible. I love all of this. And if people, our listeners, want to learn more about Pride at Work Canada, we can actually go to prideatwork.ca to find out all about these programs and learn about the history of it as you've just described it. Thank you so much, Colin, for coming on the program. Thanks very much for having me and happy National Coming Out Day. Thanks. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.